Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Start with the with the scriptures that I will use, just two short ones. First is if you want to turn to Philippians 4, 8. Be the start. That's what we will start with. Philippians 4, 8. When you have it, say amen. Amen. Okay. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And the second uh, verse of scripture or section is Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And when you have that, say amen. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. And I would like to teach this morning on this title, Read Not the Times, Read Eternity. Read Not the Times, Read Eternity. You may be seated. Now, these two verses deal with two things that are very actually intertwined, but you don't think of them, and they seem so far apart. And the two things are attention and community. And you think, how do those two go together? Well, they, they really do. What you pay attention to, believe it or not, really determines a lot of what you belong to. It's a very important thing. It's a very small thing. We take it for granted. But what you do pay attention to, and I would posit what you pay attention to will determine a lot about what you think, who you associate with, what you like, and all of that. And it's really one of the basic building blocks that determines a lot about you, whether you believe it or not. And so it is, but the basic premise is what we pay attention to, it determines what we belong to. So, and it's a, again, it's a one thing we take for granted. But for example, I, I heard this one time from one person I listened to on the radio, which he's no longer on air, but he did say this at one time. He says, nine-tenths of intelligence is just paying attention. Nine-tenths. Nine-tenths of intelligence is just paying attention. And you can have, because you'll have some people that, it just goes right over their heads. And you, you have people, supposedly, that whether this is true or not, there might have, you hear these reports of half of Americans who can't even find America on a map, one half of adult Americans. This is, this is like saying you can't find your own rear end using your both hands. It's true. It's true. I mean, it's, you can be lost. You can be lost. It's like, how do these people not know it? It makes you wonder. What's, what state we're in is because we have our attention divided in so many different ways. You, because you, because you have, don't realize it. You have so much fighting for your attention nowadays that it's just you don't know what to pay attention to, what's important, what's not. It's a, it's a very important thing. It's just basic, but it's very important. So it's a powerful thing to determine 
what you belong to. So it's a, and again, it is a detriment because we are pulled in so many different directions. And the other thing is be, uh, it gets our priorities out of whack. We think that just because we're online, that that is actually, we're doing something worthwhile. We're, we're doing something worthwhile. If we keep up, if, as, if I know all of this, I'm doing my part. If I know this, or if I know about this or that, I am informed. I would say, and you, that, that is not true for a very good reason. See, we think it, it's worthwhile to pay attention to the latest controversy or latest discussion or this and that. But no, all that will do is just drain your energy. And I, to back that up, let me point out this. There was a, there's a political scientist who teaches at Tufts University named Ethan Hirsch, or Eaton Hirsch. And he summarized a Pew Research Center study. And he said, daily news consumers are very interested in politics, so they say, but they aren't doing much. In 2016, most reported belonging to zero organizations, having attended zero local meetings in the last year, having worked zero times with others to solve a community problem. Attention doesn't just apply to what we think of as controversy. It's just the small things. You're, what you do on a daily basis at work, whether your life, who you hang out with. If you don't have, you pay attention to all these things that you disregard other things. You may, for example, if those of you who watch the news, you see some, oh, somebody died. And if it was somebody important, you will have people that are so drawn into people's lives of celebrities and if you, or somebody famous that if they die, you feel for them. There was one story I read in this woman that actually did not watch the news. She would only watch it once, once a week. When John F. Kennedy Jr. died, she actually didn't know about it until five days later. And when her neighbor told her, she said, yeah, don't you think that was horrible? She said, I didn't know about it. And she said, how could you not know? How could she says, why should I? I, don't, I didn't even know him. In reality, I didn't know him. Why should I have the emotion? Yes, it's bad. It's sad that he died. But why should I invest that when I have, whenever the widow down the street has nobody to comfort her or bring something to her who never, yeah. Why should I focus all my attention on somebody far away who I've never even met when I, when I am supposed to help the person nearby who I can comfort. Our attention is what determines who we're going to go to. And so it's, it's intriguing. We can pay attention to all the wrong things, things that don't even matter. It's a, it's a very intriguing thing. It's a small thing, but it's very important. So we have this impression that just because, again, the impression is if we're online, we're doing something. You don't have, but that doesn't mean anything. You don't get up and you don't, don't go out and meet the person where they're at. Words are cheap whenever you have somebody who's grieving. Words, you, you, it's, it's artificial to just say something to them. You go to them. That shows a lot more than just saying something. It's one thing to say, I'm sorry for your loss. It's another thing to take them a meal. That shows a lot more. It's our, our attention. What are we doing? And to kind of point this out, there was Henry David Thoreau, of all people, and 
this is, and he actually kind of pointed this out before. This is where, uh, if you read a lot, you get a lot of ideas from other people, which is intriguing. Some people can say it better than you can. That's why I go to a lot of other people. And I try to shorten it down. And he actually said this in 1855. He wrote an essay, a little short essay called Life Without Principle. And he kind of noticed, even back in the 1850s, how our attention would be divided. And he says this. He says, I do not know, but it is too much to read one newspaper a week. He said, I've tried it recently, and for so long, it seems to me that I have not dwelt in my native region because it just it bothered him what he read. He says, it, every time I read it, it's like I don't dwell in my native region afterwards. It's like I'm somewhere else because it bothers him. He said, the sun, the clouds, the snow, the trees say not so much to me. You cannot serve two masters. It requires more than a day's devotion to know and to possess the wealth of a day. He's, what he's basically saying is, you can either pay attention to what's around you, or you can pay attention to what's far out of reach. He said, your attention's going to worry about one and not the other. You can't serve two masters. You can't. And that's so if your mind's divided, you have to think what's important. Because he says, when you have all this information, you don't know what's important and what's not. And this was back then. He pointed out a basic fact. And, it, and we are so lost because we have so much more. He probably only had two things to divide his attention. We have several. And, it, and you don't realize how it affects you. And he, he also goes on to say, if you chance to live and move and have your being in that thin stratum in which the events that make the news transpire, thinner than the paper on which it is printed, then the things we then the things these things will fill the world for you. He said, basically, if you look through the lens of the world through that what you read on that paper, that's only at one point in time. And it's going to fill the entire world that you see for you. If you read that one thing, it's going to affect you. You're going to think the whole world's bad. He said, that's just, and he says, but it's thinner. The reality is thinner than the paper it's printed on. He says, because if you soar above or dive below the, that plane, you cannot remember nor be reminded of them. He said, if you look past them, you'll have to remind yourself. That's only at one point in time. That's not reality. That's only the news of one point in time. And the problem is, as he says, it's going to fill your world. You're going to think that that's how the world is, and it's not. It's, only, it's temporary. It's only one thing, and it can cloud your mind. But, and the reason he says I don't read the newspaper all the time is he says it's, hard, it's so hard to forget what it is worse than useless to remember. You can remember, if you have some useless stuff that you learn, that you, you read something bad, it's hard to forget that. What he's saying is, I don't want to even know about it at that point. Why should I even pay attention to that? It's worthless. He said, it's so hard to forget what it's more than useless to, re to remember. It's, it's simple, that's profound. And the, but he also goes on, he says, I believe the mind can be permanently profaned by the habit of attending to trivial things, so that all our thoughts shall be tinged with triviality. So he says, because your mind, that's why Paul says, you know, think on good things. It's more than just a, something. Say so he's very serious about it. 
because Paul realized you cannot think bad things and not expect to be affected by them. And that was back then. You, that's why it says think on good things because it will determine a lot your, of what you pay attention to. You can't serve two masters. And he goes on to say the last thing. He says, if we have thus desecrated ourselves, and who has not, meaning if you see all of these negative things, if you have all these things that you pay attention to that aren't worth anything, the remedy will be by weariness and devotion to reconsecrate ourselves and make once more a feign of the mind. What he, said, what he means by feign is Latin. He says uh, a feign is Latin for a temple because, the, as a side note, the word profane that's what it means is it means to desecrate a temple. That's what the word profane literally in its original meaning meant. It meant to prof- it mean, meant to desecrate a temple. He said you profane your mind by having all these useless things that don't matter. And he said, so how do we make it where our mind is something that is sacred again? That God intended, he says, you have to basically stop and you have to think. What should I remember? What's important? What is not important? He says we should treat our minds, that is ourselves, as innocent and ingenious children whose guardians we are, and be careful what objects and what subjects we thrust on their attention. And he says this last thing, which is a poetic, little poetic thing. He says, read not the times, read the eternities. Now, eternities is just singular, but he did it in a poetic way. What he's saying is don't read the times, read the eternities. What does he mean? He means don't focus on everyday things. Focus on what matters. He said don't focus on the stuff that is just fleeting here and there. Focus on what matters. Because you can focus on, because the detriment is you can live life focusing on what doesn't matter. He said, so this kind of shows you that the stories that fill what we see, it gives us, you know, it gives us the false belief that we have to feel intensely about them. That's, that's one thing. You, we are constantly bombarded by all this, and we think we have to feel intensely about it, and you, as if we have to address everything and attend to everything. No, you don't. No, you don't. No. You don't have to attend to stuff that's far away. You that you need to attend to nearby issues because that's what you can do. And because you see, the goal of a properly attentive life is right love and right action. And this goal is not served when you're caught up in distant dramas. You can't, because you can't do anything about it. You know, they say knowledge is power, but I've found this one thing. If you really stop and think about it, can you do anything about if you know something? Ooh. I need to know about this, but it's far away. Can you do anything about it? No. Just because you know about it doesn't mean you can do anything about it. Even and then you say, well, if, if I had power, if I had money, if I had this, I could I could do something. No, you couldn't. You know why? Because that's a that's a small view. Because you know why? Because you can't control the weather. There's always something out of your control. Even if you had everything going for you, there's still a good chance it might not work out. You can't because there's always something you cannot control. So really, just because you know about it doesn't really mean you have power over it. Now, if you were close by, maybe, 
maybe. But then again, it would also depend, are they going to let you through the gate? This is the other intriguing question. Are you allowed to go there? So if you know about it and if you're nearby, do you really think you could help? So no, we are sometimes a whole lot more powerless than we think we are. So with, and so that's with that. So if you, so long story short, don't be overtaken by tragedies. So I like how St. Augustine, he kind of puts it in perspective. He says, all people should be loved equally, but you cannot do good to all people equally. So you should take particular thought for those who, as if by lot, you in terms of place, time, or any other circumstances that you can't help. He says you can't, you, you should love all people equally, but you can't be around all people equally. So what do you do? Who's nearby? You can help who's nearby. You can't help who's far away. And the one thing is, people today, we're so worried about competition. Uh, we're so worried about, oh, we got to win this, we got to win that. And again, we think that we have, it gives us the illusion that we have power, that we, that we are supposed to, we're supposed to make something happen. Well, that shows a lack of confidence in God's providence. Because again, just because you think, oh, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to know about this, I have to win for, I have to win for God. No, no. That shows if you're thinking you're the one having to do it, that shows a lack of trust. It, it puts a whole lot more faith in us than it does in God. So, and because of this, if you have a lack of trust in God, you're gonna, it's going to be fearful. You're going to be afraid. And by being afraid, you know what happens? By showing a lack of trust in how God will work things out, we view everything as a crisis. Everything is, can be the end of the world. Ooh, this 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 thing was passed, or the or this disaster happened. It's the end. Of, it's, what are we going to do? It shows a lack of trust in how God can work it out. Because by do because if we are paying attention to the wrong things, we are looking at the problem, and we let that determine the outlook. Because we think all we look at is we think I'm powerless. I got to do something. I got to. And you when you can't. You don't know what to do because your attention is not on the right things. You are not, it's not attended to what is important. You can't help it, but God can. So you have, so eventually that you have to realize there's two things we can't control. So how do you deal with this? Because event, because there is so much anxiety today that you, I'm sure you've all at one point in today's society, you have such anxiety, and you don't know why, because you have all these things that you think I have to pay attention to, and I have to fix, and I have to do that, but you can't. So what do we do? There's actually, from what I read, there's two things you can do. One, we need to develop what, what one person called a, like a holy apathy. A ho like a holy apathy to where you ignore the frenzy. That seems kind of productive. Because, and the second thing is you have to have loving action rooted in contemplation of God and his word. And what do I mean by that? Actually, let me explain that. There was a, 
French mathematician and theologian named Blaise Pascal. He, I like how he put it. He says, the same providence that has inspired some with light has denied it to others. Because we think everybody has to agree with this. We have to get everybody on board. Well, and not when everybody doesn't agree, we, we think, like, how am I going to get this through? How am I going to get this through? It shows a lack of trust. And the, and the problem is, what Pascal is saying is God allows people the same light and truth he has shown you, he allows other people to be wrong about. He allows them to be wrong for the moment. Because they may, they may not experience what you experience. They don't know what you've experienced. And we think, why can't they see what I see? Because God has allowed them not to see it. And so, and so it's intriguing is, in other words, if God allows you to have the right perspective on this particular issue, he also allows others to be wrong about it. Recognizing that the outcome of all our controversies is in God's hands, that in some sense he wills or permits people to hold different views on these issues, it should radically temper our emotional investment in the victory of one thing over the other. I like how he put it. He says, we act as if it was our mission to make truth triumph when it's only our mission to combat for it. It's not our job to win the victory. It's God's job. It's just our job to fight for him. But it's not our job to win for him. He's the one that determines how we win. We're not the ones that determine how we win. He determines, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go talk to that person. I don't like them. I know, but I called you to go to that person. But I, but, I don't, but I don't agree with them. I know you don't, but I want you to go talk to them. I want you to get to know them. I want you to be friends with them. That's a very big, big thing to ask, and we let our flesh get in the way, but God says, no, I called you to go to these people who you may not agree with, who may not agree with you, who may not like you, but I want you to go to them. And we are so fixated on the here and now that we think, but, 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 but that's it. I, listen, just, just trust me. <laughs> it's, and so I've already stated knowing about something doesn't mean you can do anything directly. But it's intriguing how we view other people because this is where the community and attention is linked with community. Because what you pay attention to determines who you belong to. If you like, say, if you like bowling, there used to be bowling leagues. I don't know if they still exist, do they? Do they? Probably not. Probably not. It would be, would be, okay, they do. Okay, I got, I got a witness. You attend one, don't you? <laughs> no, but, bowl, but it's intriguing. There was a guy who wrote a book called Bowling Alone, and he actually studied how as all these civic uh, groups, whether it be a bowling league, and I know there's still gardening clubs. There's all these other things. There's bowling there's everything. As those went down, what you found was a sense of community involvement went down with it. Because you get out and you meet people and that's where and you're you're there. You're not online. And so what he pointed out was as that goes down, the sense of community or involvement with other people goes down too. Because we think that we can be online and and there's nothing wrong with being online. It's just that you don't want to make that your whole place where you live. 
because it's artificial, it's not real. As, as, as one person said, I don't care what people say about me on Twitter because Twitter is not a real place. It's true, it's artificial. We let people, we like to think that yeah, they said this about me online and so that, that, they don't even know you. You don't even know them. And we, let, and we let that determine a lot about ourselves. We let that determine, yeah, we, we th we, that really does. We think that, oh, this, I, I thought that they were my friends. No, they're not. No, they're not. So as one guy says, this uh, man named John Somerville, he says, for some of us, the news is where we live. Our identities are found in the periodicals we read, the programs we watch, rather than in the places or the people we associate with. Place, rather than the places we live or the people we associate with. That's our lives. You, you've heard the term, some people say, well, he lives in front of that TV set. He lives, on, he lives online. He lives in front of that screen. It's true because it shapes your world. You, what you pay attention to will fill in the world for you. It's, again, it's a small thing, but it is a very big thing that you really don't think about. It's, and what, and because this kind of shows one thing, a lot of people think that we have this assumption that people are rational, that people, you, you know, some people say, well, I am my own person. I, don't, I think only my own thoughts and nobody has told me what to think. Well, that's, that's a lie because we assume that people are completely rational, you know, brains on sticks and all that thing that we're completely just a brain body. No. You are emotional first, rational second. If we were completely rational, we wouldn't have to put our foot in our mouth every time we said something we later regretted. They're not rat. People are not completely rational. People are emotional first, rational second. And the th and the thing is, we are social people. Well, you you probably all are. I'm antisocial, so I can't. I can only speak for myself. But I'm sure that all and I like people in small doses. But I still need people. And so everyone is different. But we all need one thing. We need a sense of community. As Adam's brother Jones said a few messages ago, he said he pointed out how 40% of teenagers, I think, will join a gang. 40%. Because they want a they want a sense of belonging, and that's where they find it. And you think, well, why would they do that? Why would they do that? Why do people? Well, let me pose this other question. Why do you think people will disagree with some somebody, and then if you ask them, well, why did you disagree with them? Well, I just did because they're against my group. Sometimes it is that simple. Sometimes because belonging is stronger than fact. A lot of what you think you know is actually you believe it because somebody you trust and somebody you know and you trust believes it. It's the people you associate with that determine a lot of what you believe. If Let me put it to you another way, and this may seem extreme, but it's actually very true. It, I would say that if you grow up in a, in a household that teaches you to be racist, you'll probably be racist. You learn, you learn it somewhere. If you grow up in a town that has a certain culture that believes certain things, you're going to be like the people in that town. Not all the time. There's probably one, there's always probably that one individual or two that 
is a little bit more hard-headed and they go their own way, but that's the exception. Where it's the same thing, where you grow up. And a lot of the times we attribute that difference. We say, oh, well, they're just dumb. They're just, they're just stupid if they, if they don't agree with us. Well, we attribute, attribute as it as a lack of intelligence when really it's just a lack of shared practice. It's you, because if you have a routine, if you go to the same place, people recognize you. As an example, I started going to my local library and because I figured that's the way to dwindle down my book collection. I go there and I read <laughs> after work <laughs> because eventually you have so much and then you think, you know, I, I really got to do this. So I do and I go and I, and I slowly started to dwindle them down. I won't say how much. <clears throat> Anyways, and, but what's intriguing is to kind of point this out. After I kind of studied this, I thought, so if they get to know you, they recognize you and become, and you are accepted. So I went there, and you know what happened? They started to recognize me. After a while, they'll know you on a first-name basis because they see you so often because you put yourself in their place, where they're at. And eventually, again, who you associate with, that becomes your community. If you like a, a again, if you like a, a certain sport, again, the bowling league example, you can, a lot of people would go there and they get to know, and that was their identity. That was not, not necessarily just their identity, but that's who their friends were because they shared a common interest. They got in a community that shared it. It's, it's simple, but it's profound and you don't think about it. People are social. And we, uh, we, are like to, we like to think that people are completely rational and that people are their own person. They're not. The only completely, fully functioning, independent adult is a hermit. A hermit could probably be the only one that could say, I don't think, I think my own thoughts, I do what I, my own things. Well, maybe that may be true. But, you know, one, also, one thing that's also true is before that person went in to be a hermit, you can be sure he had to learn painstakingly how to build a fire. He also painstakingly had to know how to prepare stuff for himself. He had to know what to gather, what to do. He learned it from somebody. He either learned it from a book or he learned it from hard experience, maybe, and also probably a little bit of both. And you can be sure in that isolation, he could think profound thoughts to himself. He could think, well, well why is this? Why is that? Why is that? But you can be sure of one thing. Before he went in to be a hermit, somebody told him what questions to ask to be able to think those profound thoughts. Somebody had to tell him what to think at some point, what to think about. No man is an island. You are, you are the product of the people around you, whether you believe it or not. And that also doesn't mean that that has to define you. Because a lot of, this is the other thing, a lot of people use that to say, well, I'm always going to be this because I was here. No, no, that's what, and that's where I, it goes to community. You have to be around people that are for the things of God. And this is where I'm drawing the attention to how it affects us. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. For, well, why? To provoke each other. Two words. You are to provoke each other. To what? Let me read. Let us consider, consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. 
You can't really do that online. You could, but it might. it's not going to mean anything because you're not here. Because if you're here, that shows me that you care for this. You all decided to come here because this is important to you. And that's important to and I, if it's important to you, it will be important to the person next to you. And you need that encouragement. You need it. You may, you may think, oh, they get on my nerves. Well, that's human beings. Not it. But then again, we still need you. We all have our flaws. We all have our, our uh, or let's see, what's the word? Yeah, we'll just go with flaws. <laughs> Simple enough, it is simple, one word, easy to do. <laughs> so, and, the, and so it just goes to show you, we really have to cultivate something because atten- it's the same thing as attention. If you pay attention to what doesn't matter, it's going to affect you. It's the same thing with the group. There was a guy that says, Thomas Byrne, he was a Trappist monk in 1955. And then in the 1950s, he actually, I like how he put this. He says, those who love God should attempt to preserve or create an atmosphere in which he can be found. Let me repeat that again. Those who love God should attempt to preserve or create an atmosphere where he can be found. Because where two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be there in the midst of them. He's shut. You show him that he's important, and he said, I will be there because you've shown that you are are giving me the attention that you want. You want me? I'll be there. So, because, the and the other thing is, the opposite is true. If our communities aren't formed around shared attention to God, other focal points will just spring up to compete for our attention and loyalty. If you're not here, you're somewhere else. Why? Because that's what you said, that it, where your loyalty lies, where your attention is deserving. What we attend to determines who we belong to. And it's, this is also true because with attention and what you determine, it also goes for people online. And, I, and I've kind of stressed this several, but then again, but it's very important to stress. People online are just basically trying to do what they want to do in real life. They want somebody to belong to. And as all these different places of actual going out there, meeting people go down, where they go, they still want belonging. So where they do, they go online. It's easy. But the problem is it's artificial. It's, it's not real. It's artificial. It, you want, they want community. They want a sense of belonging. And if they can't find it in, in the real world, they go online. And the problem is it doesn't satisfy them because there's so many different things to choose from and get their attention. They don't know, and they're confused. They're confused. That's why, that's why I would say this. And what I've found is is that Twitter movements are very, you can mobilize a lot of people really quickly online. But the problem is whatever you have, it will burn real hot, and then it will fizzle out quickly because it's only just going off of one emotion. It's quick and then it burns and nothing's built. Because in real life, you have to work with people who you may not always agree with, whom you who have some people might have temper issues, some people might have uh, personality quirks that you don't like, but you still work with them. 
And why is that? Because it's, you have to have patience. And that's the one thing online that people don't have because, again, it's all attention-driven. And if, and if you don't agree right away or if you don't uh, work with them right away, they just drop you. It's like a swarm. And, nothing, and you cannot build anything that way. You can't build trust. You can't build a relationship. You can't build anything like that because it takes care, patience, and love to build something like that, a large group of people. It takes a long time to get to gain somebody's trust. You know why somebody comes to church? It's not because of the singing, although it would be good. It's not because of the preaching, although that would be good. It's because why, are they, why did they come in the first place? They came because they knew you. They, they, if they never knew anything about uh, apostolic Pentecostalism, they know it because they know you, and they trust you, and you invited them. A lot of the times, that's why they came in the door. It's, be, it's not because of anything that they heard, saw. It's because you invited them because they know you and they trust you. That's why they came in. You are nearby. You know them. They trust you. It's that simple. It's simple yet profound. So that, and it's something we all think about. And so that's why even online, try to be, we try to be, uh, a lot of the times the, thing, the person we are online is not who we are in real life. You have, you say, oh, I have 5,000 friends. No, you have 5,000 strangers. You have 5,000 strangers who you do not know on a very intimate basis. You think you know them. It's kind of like how you think you know celebrities. Really, you don't. You just think you do. Some people have delusions of grandeur. Next thing you know, they show up outside their houses, and then, and then you have to call the police. No, seriously, it, it goes that far. You, you hear those things. It's because they're so convinced that they know them, but you don't really. They don't really know them. They think they do, and they convince themselves that the image in their heads is what is really true. So we have to realize that we are here. Why? To provoke each other. We come together because this is God's community. That's why, that's why he emphasizes think on good things. Well, you can't think on good things if you aren't around people who think on good things. You, aren't, you can't think of the things of God if you're not around people who are going to remind you of the things of God, who are going to remind you, hey, you may be going through something. I, hey, I, I know how you feel. And you comfort each other. You exhort each other. Why? As you see the day approaching. And I am actually coming to a close so if our music would come. So the point is, if you have to remember something, remember this. If you are looking for something, people are always looking for something and they need it, and this, it's the same way for the people of God. We have to be together. If we have to think on good things, that's the first step, our attention. What are, are we paying attention to what matters? Is what we give our time to, is what we give our emotions to, is what we give all of our effort to, does it in the long run really matter? Or, or is it just 
trivial, stuff that's temporary. And if it's temporary, we think, because all this will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. So the question is, do we really realize what matters? And if we need somebody to change our perspective, let it be the people of God, the people here. That's why we come together. We come together because we need encouragement from each other. We need people to lift us up. We need people to remind us, hey, I know you're going through a tough time, but hey, it's going to be all right. We need somebody to, to lift us up. And you can't do that anywhere else. That's why we need the people of God. The world won't do that. The world do doesn't do that. Because again, they're from the outside looking in. They can't understand why. Why, why do you show up here? Because it's home. Because it's home. I am with those who are home with me. A lot of this world, with our attention divided, it makes you feel, as one person I read, he said, he, it makes you feel a sense of homelessness because you will have, you're looking for all these different things that want to satisfy. Your attention is drawn in all these different ways and you end up destitute and confused. And he says, and you know what it produces? It produces a feeling of homelessness because you don't know what to belong, but we do belong. And as I come to a close, this is basically it. the question is, do you want to belong? And belonging is stronger than facts. So what are you going to do? Come to where the people of God are. I need you and, you, and as much as I think I need me. I'm not alone. I can't, I can't do it alone. I need people. You need somebody to help you. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.